We're still in the start of a new year, and for many traditional types, that meant setting goals, making resolutions, failing to keep those resolutions, etc. Well, we weren't recommending all that, but did suggest that this might be a good time to take stock of your family and your responsibilities for that family. And for the past several weeks, Trace Embry and I have been here answering some of the top questions that parents bring to us. Tough questions about how to raise their teens in the hopes that we can help you succeed in areas where you and your teens may be having some trouble. Again, our host is Trace Embry, the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill Academy. I'm Rich Rosel, and this is Licensed to Parent. Well, welcome to Licensed to Parent. This is the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential therapeutic program helping teens in crisis and their families. And uh, Trace, we have been attempting to dig down into the pile of questions that you in particular receive every month during parent weekends here at Shepherd's Hill. And to answer some of those questions here on the program, this, by the way, is our fourth and final week, uh, at least this time around, And I hate to say that because we're going to have to come back and do it again because we have barely skimmed the top here. We've got a very deep pile. But um, are you ready to buckle down and try to get uh, at least the last of these done? Never. (laughs) Are you willing to? I'm willing. Okay, good. Well, in that case, let's dig back into the top of the stack here. And here's the first question for this week. By the way, if you missed our previous uh, programs in the month of January talking about these top questions, go to our website at licensedparent.org and uh, check out the program archives and you'll find uh, uh, weeks one, two, and three. And again, this is our final week for this go around. Uh, So question one for today, Uh, Trace, you often say that that as parents, we need to parent to the spiritual side of our kids. Mm -hmm. What exactly do you mean by that? Well, let me start out saying by what I don't mean by that. I don't mean going to church or being religious or, you know, reading Bibles, uh, scriptures to our kids and things like that, although those are all important things. What I'm talking about is the fundamental makeup of who we are as human beings. Sure. And a large volume of mistakes that parents make is they're constantly trying to appease their kids with their kids' carnal desires, uh, failing to realize that their carnality, our carnality, is not the sum total of who we are as human beings. Right. We're fundamentally... Uh, spiritual beings. We are not primarily carnal beings who occasionally have spiritual experiences by going to church or praying or reading uh, the Bible. We're fundamentally spiritual beings having a human experience. And it really uh, is exemplified best, I think, in, in the seventh chapter of Romans when Paul has that battle within himself. Mm-hmm. He says, the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. The things I do, I don't want to do. And uh, what he's basically saying there is, I have two natures. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a carnal nature that wants all the things that the carnal nature wants when it wants it. And Many uh, people call that the sin nature. The sin nature, exactly. But we are fundamentally wired in the image of God with all the same desires deep within us to, to identify that nature. And those are the things that kids are crying out since they don't have the self-discipline to do them, they need the parent to discipline to say, you got to do this or here, here are the consequences. Yeah. Uh, 
kids really want boundaries, and this is what parents don't understand. Uh, that is the spiritual part of who they are. They want parents that are older, wiser, bigger, stronger, to enforce those boundaries, hmm. to, to give them what they can't give themselves. Parents think their kids want what they want when they want it, and they do, but that's just the carnal side. Discipline is a very spiritual thing. How else do you even discipline yourself to do something that you your body doesn't want to do, like exercise or, yeah. or eating right? You would have to pick those. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. but uh, Especially here after the holidays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but this is what I mean by uh, parent to the spiritual side. Yeah. Uh, give your kid what your kid deep inside really wants and needs rather than just what his carnal desires are, right. are crying out for. Well, that ties in, I think, well with the next question, talking about the subject of discipline, and that is that we have a lot of parents who ask us how we can be talking about love and discipline in the same breath. Mm-hmm. That Their thinking is that love and discipline are mutually exclusive, but, but you say mm-hmm. they're not. T- touch on that. No, they're not, and Scripture proclaims that they're not. Uh, matter of fact, there's a proverb that says, if you don't discipline your son, you don't love your son. Mm-hmm. Uh, camp out in Hebrews 12. Uh, no discipline uh, seems pleasant at the time, but but painful. Later on, however, it brings a harvest of righteousness by those who are trained by it. And it elaborates on love in that equation too. They're not mutually exclusive. They're, they're kind of like a car battery. And I've, I've used this analogy mm-hmm. before where you cannot get your car battery to start your car unless the positive and the negative are both hooked up and operating, right? To get that full circuit, that full love battery charge, so to speak. There's a uh, James Dobson wrote a book called Love Must Be Tough. Yeah. He's writing about the the negative side of the the, the love car battery, okay? Uh, Whether it's spanking or, or, you know, timeouts, whatever you are are using. These are deep, misunderstood parts of of, uh, components to love. We have a tendency in America to look at love as only the touchy, warm, fuzzy feeling, yeah. uh, what, really what it can do for me. And that's why it's so hard for a lot of parents to discipline because it hurts. That old saying, this is going to hurt me more, it's going to hurt you. I mean, It does. Uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> Never believed it as a kid. Right, <laughs> right exactly. But it, it, this parents don't want to go through pain either. Sure. And I think when you discipline your kids— not I think, I know. When you discipline your kids, it ought to hurt you a little bit. Do you think the father was not in some kind of distress when he, he, his son fulfilled the, the supreme act of love, which many people would interpret as a violent act? But it was a super, the crucifixion. The crucifixion. The, uh, uh, the ultimate act of love, which you know saved our souls from uh, the penalties of sin. So we have to understand that until we're operating with a prudent balance of the positive side and the negative side of the love battery, then love becomes an enablement. It becomes uh, a warm fuzzy as to what we can get out of it. We, be, we really love us too much. You know, we, we have an amorous relationship with ourselves that we don't want to uh, violate by exercising uh, the self-discipline it takes for us to exercise discipline on our children mm. so that the world doesn't have to exercise punishment or natural consequences uh, so often yeah. down the line that are going to be brought upon our kids uh, by people who don't love them with no self-restraint. I'm exercising a restrictive discipline on my child 
from someone who loves them sure. most, you know, and the ultimate goal there is to uh, make sure that Junior's understanding of what right and wrong is so that when he goes out there and I'm not there to supervise him, it's an automatic response to the real world. I think it's important for us to also offer some clarity on definitions here. Uh, you and I understand the relationship between discipline and punishment, mm-hmm. but we also understand that they aren't exactly the same thing. True. Punishment may be one of the ways discipline is meted yeah. out, but discipline is tied to the word disciple. Mm-hmm. Christ wasn't going around putting his uh, his disciples in time out all the time right. or you know, whipping them or anything like that. He was guiding them. He was instructing them. He was giving the guidance that they needed to live the right life. That's right. I think, generally speaking, discipline looks ahead, punishment looks Looks behind. behind. And under the umbrella of discipline, there is punishment. And there are some teachers out there trying to say that punishment shouldn't be in the equation. Well, if you take punishment out of the equation, it really is the equivalent of taking history out of the equation when it comes to the importance of us understanding our history. Because if we don't look back to see where the mistakes were made, uh, then we're bound, of course, I forget who said it, but we're going to repeat those mistakes. Right. Those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Exactly. Yep. And so— I uh, said that. Okay, you said Several that. times. But so there is a place for punishment, and I, I think it's uh, uh, not wise for us to think that there isn't. Uh, there's also another proverb that talks about when the, when the simple uh, see someone else get disciplined, then they learn from that so that they can carry it on to the future. So it is—punishment can be a part of discipline. I don't know if you can say discipline is a part of punishment. I—, I I, I would say it's it's more uh, an encompasser of it. Uh, in order to enact good discipline, to give good guidance, it will involve punishment at times as necessary, right? Or boundaries, because again, you're you're giving the guidelines, you know, to to define the path that you need to travel. So mm-hmm. I'd say all those are tied together. Yeah. We're talking about the top questions that parents have brought to Shepherd's Hill Academy and to other events where Trace has spoken. Uh, we we have monthly parent meetings here at Shepherd's Hill for uh, parents whose teens are enrolled at uh, Shepherd's Hill Academy. And uh, at these times, Trace fields a bunch of questions on a bunch of different topics from parents, and we're trying to dig through some of those here in the first month of the year. Trace, our third question ties in rather nicely with the others, and that is uh, talking about the importance that parents, particularly Christian parents, be on the same parenting page. And I know you have said that it is an important thing. But, for example, what if mom and dad have different opinions about how to discipline, how to give guidance to their kids? Yeah. Why is it so important that they be on the exact same page there? Well, I, I can't underscore how important this is. Uh, it's particularly for Christian parents, even more so than secular thinking parents. It's important because if mom and dad are not in agreement on a particular issue with their child, then their child sees that not only are mom and dad not agreeing, they they can't even agree upon what the God that they're claiming to serve is telling them on a particular issue. And so it discredits mom, it discredits dad, but it also discredits the God they claim to serve. And so their son or daughter is going to go looking for truth, you know, outside and What's going to happen, Rich, and I see it all the time, they're going to take advice from their friends, their favorite pop icon, Facebook acquaintances, because they're going to agree. And what they're agreeing on is, feels good, do it. Do your own thing. Our teens tend to look for those with whom they resonate, the people who agree with them. 
That's so, right. so therefore, they will buy, and that's a that's a perfectly natural sure. human trait. Mm-hmm. We are always drawn to people who agree with us. We hear and go, oh, boy, that sounds right. There's great wisdom in that. Why is there great wisdom? Because it's exactly what I was already thinking. Right. Um, and it's just a one big enable fest. Yes. You know, and, and, and it's, a, it's a relationship, but it's a codependent relationship. And those are not ever healthy. Right. And one other thing that, that we didn't mention, but I think is worth bringing up, is when there is disagreement between mom and dad, that opens the door to your child to be able to push a wedge in there and and work one against the other. Yeah, they call it pitting both ends against the middle. They're manipulating. They understand, wow, you know, um, mom doesn't want me to do this, but dad says I can do it. And then they go back and forth, and then first thing you know it, mom and dad are at each other's throats, and, uh, you know, Junior then steps back and lets them find it out while he goes and does what he wants to do. Yeah. And so it's incumbent upon us as parents to go to God's Word. And there's going to be times when you can go to God's Word and still come with different conclusions. But for the most part, it's pretty clear uh, that you should be able to get on the same page. We need to try to pull our emotions, our biases out of the equation yeah. and say, God, what do you say about this? And it may mean eating a little crow sometimes or humble pie, however you want to describe it, and say, okay, Lord, we're going to do it your way. Incidentally, uh, one of my sons likes to play one off the other. He does it in a joking way. We all laugh about it. But um, if I say to him, you know, son, you need to do so-and-so, he'll look at me and go, you're not my mom. <laughs> and then my wife steps up and says the exact same thing. And he turns to her and says, you're not my dad. Right, there you and go. So eh, it doesn't work for him, but we <laughs> we at least enjoy well, it. Thank but God it, it doesn't work for him. Well, I mean, it, it, but it does prove the point sure. is, you know, if, when the door is open, we're all looking for the path of least resistance. So That's if right. there's a way we can maneuver it to get out of it. Yeah. That's human nature. And particularly kids are looking for the path of least resistance. And that's where a lot of entitlement comes from because parents feed into that. They don't want to see Junior struggle for anything. No more than we want to see that little chick uh, work his way out of an egg. We feel sorry for it. It's really working hard to get out of that egg. And the the thing that we want to do is break the egg open and let that thing out. But when we do it, we kill it uh, because it needs the struggle on the inside uh, of the egg to survive the world outside the egg. But see, God knows better than we do. And that's why we need to go to God for all these answers mm-hmm. rather than relying on our own uh, intuition or self-knowledge, whatever. Well, on that note, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we have more questions, including how to deal with dating, uh, the all-important first car, oh, and yeah. some of those types of, quote, entitlements, whether they are or not, and how his parents were to usher in the new chapters in her kids' lives. This is Licensed to Parent. Uh, Trace Embry here with me. I'm Rich Rosal. And uh, we will be back with more of your questions right after this. Being a teen in today's culture is tough. Being a parent of a troubled teen can be even tougher. If you feel like pulling your hair out or worse, your family may be in crisis. Sometimes we make light of our family situations to help us deal with them, but that really doesn't fix the underlying problems. Shepherd's Hill Academy is here to help find the root of the problem as well as healing and hope. But if residential care is not a fit for you, Shepherd's Hill Family Coaching can provide you with decades of experience from the front lines to help you overcome the challenges your family is facing. And best of all, we meet with you where you are with simple phone calls. 
Family Coaching is a dynamic partnership that helps you discern God's will and reach goals for your family that are biblical. Basically, live the life your family was designed for, and that's no joke. Learn more at helpmytroubledteen.org forward slash coaching. Hi, this is Robbie Zacharias. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and Licensed to Parent. I remember talking to somebody in the entertainment world once who said their entire target audience was an 18-year-old and typically an 18-year-old male. They said the influence they wield in a culture around with their friends is enormous. So a ministry like this to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot say how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. With the generous gifts from people just like you, we're able to provide parents with practical insights to navigate the challenges families face in today's culture, as well as helping troubled teens in our year-long residential program. To learn more and to donate, visit LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back. This is Licensed to Parent with our host, Trace Embry. I'm Rich Rosal. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. And uh, while on that site, that's where you can find our program archives, including the first three programs in this uh, series we've been doing throughout the month of January on answering some of the top questions that parents bring us about raising their kids. And uh, our, our next question, which I mentioned just before the break, deals with uh, setting a chronological age for dating or for getting that first car. You know, a lot of people say to their daughters, you won't date until you're 40. 16, you know, <laughs> 16 years old or until you're retired, you know, whichever comes first. Uh, or, you know, do, you, uh, do, do the children who turn 16 automatically uh, earn the right to drive? You know, are there other things? You, you often say that setting a chronological age is just a bad idea in general. How would you handle these these types of issues? Yeah, I really do think it's a bad idea because uh, not every uh, 16-year-old, let's just say that's the arbitrary age, age that okay. they've, they've, they've given their child uh, to, to get a car. Uh, I think if the parent from the, chi- from the time the child is young uh, says and, and puts into the mind of the, of the child, you'll get a car when you're ready to get a, a car. And for some people... Uh, I know some kids that got cars at 12 years old, and uh, they became a project in the garage where they're going to fix them up and, and hmm. waiting for that day to get their driver's license. And if that child's responsible enough, then by golly, you know, when the government says you can drive, you've earned it. You you drive. I'd like to point out my grandmother flipped her first car at age 13. You mean like turned it over or sold it? Turned it over. Oh, really? Yes. 13. Oh drove it, flipped it. Now, that was in an earlier age. Yeah. But, um, and she was at an earlier age. Yeah, but, it was uh, the Indy 500. But. <laughs> <laughs> but So I might argue against giving your child a car at age 12. But, but I see your point. You're, you're teaching the responsibility that will ultimately come to the child when the child is actually no longer acting like a child, yeah. but has, has reached the age where they are mature enough to handle adult responsibilities and like that, having a car. Yeah, and that comes different with every kid. And so you you've uh, uh, you can actually explain to your child, well, why did Sally get a car at 16 and, and you know, I didn't get a car? Or, well, because, uh, number one, Sally paid for it. Sally earned it. And um, we, Mom and I feel that you're not there yet. You know, and 
I see you want that Honda Accord over there. Uh, where's the $2,500 that you've accumulated uh, right. over the course of the first few years of your teenage years to buy it? I think the first car should be purchased by the child. And the time and energy and money they're investing, they're going to appreciate that car. Uh, it's time uh, spent away from sex, drugs, rock and roll, uh, video games, and, and, and social media. But the ugly truth is there are a lot of kids who, because of social media and video games, the car's not all that appealing anymore. Well, as far as dating goes, since mm-hmm. that was the other example brought up in this yeah. question, any anything different there? How how do we know when our son or daughter is uh, is ready to handle dating? Oh, I think it's a similar situation. I think you need to be planting those seeds early on too to inform your kids that you know what you will date when you meet someone that you feel is worthy of the potential of being able to marry this person. If that's 15, if that's 19, or whatever the case may be, then I have no problem with you getting to know someone in in preparation for a future marriage. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. That's fine. And we can do the thing called dating, but you will always have a chaperone. And it's probably going to look a whole lot like mom or dad. And if you want to bring them to our home, uh, if you want to go out to a movie house or you know, out to dinner, roller skating, you know, whatever the case may be, uh, then that's fine. But as long as you live in the home, all the dates will be chaperoned. I just feel because of the culture we live in, that is only wisdom. I think if, if previous generations without all the sexually charged digital technology and all the stuff that's out there today, they would be appalled at, at how we're doing this thing called uh, really, ultimately, marriage is the ultimate end game, I think. And he, my son told me one time, you know, I, I, he was 20 years old, and kind, of, kind of worried about you. You haven't dated yet. And he said, Dad, why would I date a girl I don't think I can marry? And I just shut up. I said, you're right. Well, l- let me play, uh, I hate to use the term devil's advocate, but let, let's look at uh, another side of dating, per se. Mm-hmm. I've been married for 30 years now. Mm-hmm. My wife and I, since we were first married, have had the policy that, for example, I don't go out to lunch with another woman. Yeah. I don't have dinner with another woman. I don't actually even ride in the car with another woman by myself. Mm-hmm. Now, is there anything wrong with doing that? No, absolutely no. not. But two things happen. Number one, we as people are prone to jump to conclusions, and if somebody saw me out having lunch with another woman, they right. might assume something that was not correct. Not even a hint or appearance Ex- of exactly. sexual immorality, exactly. as Scripture says. Yeah. But um, it also keeps me, as a male member of the species, from any temptation. Right. If I'm in that car with a group, you know, I, who knows what may happen, but we right. have all and will all experience moments of weakness. Sure. Lord, lead us not into temptation. Exactly. So from that standpoint, by having another person in the car, then, you know, th- then that's off the table. I'm not going to be, you know, suddenly thinking about doing things with this person that I shouldn't be doing. Right. Uh, or if I am, I'm certainly not going to act yeah. on it. So it, it, it enables us to flee temptation sure. because we are being held accountable at all times. And I've had... I've had non-Christian friends laugh at me because sure. of that choice, but I've never second-guessed it or right. regretted that I had that. I've I, had I've, Christian friends snarl at me. I mean, they don't—they just don't see it. I, 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 think I really didn't mean to, but um, <laughs> I had something in my throat. I, I think they're just naive. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know what? You, you, someone could turn the tables on me. Just Trace, you, you just have a perverted mind. Well, you know what? Maybe I do. 
okay? But it, I, I'd rather err on the side of caution. If I keep going back to this, this scenario, if King David, a man after God's own heart, right. at the wrong place at the wrong time, did what he did, violated every one of the Ten Commandments in one fell swoop, by golly, someone like me can. And yeah. uh, no, I don't trust myself. And um, if your child objects, mom, dad, don't you trust me? I have no problem saying, honey, no, I don't. Uh, I don't trust me. You're a, you're as human as I am. I wouldn't trust me in that situation. If Billy Graham will do similar things, you know, uh, mm-hmm. take similar precautions, then why would I uh, not take those with you? I love you too much to care what you think about me right now. This is how it has to be. And when you move out, you know, you can do what you got to do, but then now it's on your shoulders. I'm no longer part yeah. of the equation. Well, let's try to bring this in for a landing if we can. Again, we know we've got a lot more questions to answer, but um, I, and I think this this ties in nicely. This is a nice conclusion to what we've just been talking about, and that is understanding the difference between intelligence, knowledge, and wisdom. And I know you often say that parents should seek and value wisdom above the other, both for themselves sure. and for their kids. Why is that? Put a period on all this for us. <laughs> well, Rich, um, there are uh, a lot of people today with as much intelligence as you or I have and, and more. The Internet has made virtually everyone equal as far as knowledge, and we have a library in our hip pocket. Wisdom is what you do with the knowledge and intelligence that you have. Wisdom has a moral component in the equation. It's looking to not make good the enemy of best. Solomon asked for wisdom. He didn't ask for intelligence. He didn't ask for knowledge or money. He asked for wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It does say that, but it also says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom in Proverbs. But wisdom is what the end game is. It should be for us as human beings. And um, we we want to show our kids the difference. Any morally insensitive person can get on the internet and get all the knowledge they want with the intelligence that they have. It requires wisdom to take that knowledge and that intelligence to do something productive with it, to do something holy or, or wholesome uh, with it. And so I think that's why we need to put uh, wisdom in the equation preeminently. And I think one thing that wisdom also brings to the table is in part a knowledge of whether this knowledge you've gleaned is actually based on truth or not. Yeah. Uh, You know, the wisdom to be able to read the source and understand, well, that's trustworthy or "Eh, that's not trustworthy and and then figure out what to do with it. Absolutely. Well, Trace, thanks for uh, at least uh, sticking a toe in the water here of these these questions. As, As we said on our first question... We didn't cover these with much depth at all. There is so right. much more that could be said about any of them. And, uh, you know, in truth, I've got several more pages of questions here in front of me, and I'll have a nice bonfire later <laughs> when I flee the scene. But uh, but we're going to try to be touching on these more in, in future broadcasts, go into some depth. And, of course, we try to touch on these with our guests here on Licensed to Parent. Licensed to Parent is the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential treatment program helping teens in crisis and their families. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill outside to share time-tested parenting principles that are based on God's Word. And as I've said before as well, the only way we can continue to do this, uh, both through our ministry uh, to teens here at Shepherd's Hill and also to parents through our broadcasts, is with your help. We are always looking to find more people interested in becoming our ministry partners, people who will 
encourage us, people who will pray for us, people who will be on the front lines with us, and people who, quite frankly, will help us financially. If you're able, would you please consider joining us in this outreach? You can contact us. You can find out more through our website, licensedtoparent.org. That's licensedtoparent.org. And uh, whether you're able to make a one-time gift or an ongoing financial contribution, you can do so securely on our website by clicking the Donate tab at the top of the page. And we greatly appreciate anything you can do to help. Once again, that's licensedtoparent.org. For Trey Sembry, I'm Rich Rosal. Our time is up for today. We will be back once again next week, though, to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.